Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantad. Revelation 13 says, no, you are being led by the dragon to your doom. Here's the reality. The dragon hates the image of God. He's not leading you along. Oh, come over here. You'll find fulfillment and peace and satisfaction over here. Come here, come here, come here. here." But inwardly, he's going, he's laughing. Inwardly, he's rejoicing as we walk like lemmings to our doom. We think being true to ourselves is true to ourselves. When in reality, we're just listening to the voice of the dragon say, did God really say? Did God really say? Open God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Open God, he's a rock and you hide in place. He's a mighty fortress. The enemy is a master of deception. And it's only going to get worse as the days become darker and we wait for our rescuer to come and take us home. He's even manipulated branches of the church using a message that sounds really appealing. He says, you just need to be you. You were born with these desires and identities, so they must be good and right. But as Pastor Ricky will explain in today's message, we were born in sin and the feelings of our hearts can't be trusted. Now let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Revelation chapter 13 as he continues his message, Obey 1984 and the Mark of the Beast. This beast, what do we we see here? This beast is different from the first. We see immediately in its introduction, I pause there, that it looked kind of like a lamb. It looked almost a little bit like Jesus. It looked kind, it looked harmless. But come close and you hear from within it the voice of a dragon. This is a beast of deception. This is a, in some sense, a religious beast. Its actions point people to worship the first beast. And it can do amazing things with demonic power. And if the original audience were reading this, they would have been thinking, that sounds familiar. Sounds like the imperial cult because in Asia Minor, uh, the Roman, sort of celebrating the Roman government and Roman rule was a big thing. The cities in Asia Minor would compete for who could build a work to the new emperor. There was a, it was a worship cult around the emperor that, that perhaps wasn't exactly explicit that everybody had to participate in worshiping the emperor, but they worked the cities so that if you weren't there worshiping the emperor, you stood out. So if you weren't there, well, maybe next week, nobody wants to buy goods from you. Maybe next week, the social invitations dry up. In other words, nobody's holding a sword to your throat saying, go worship the beast. This beast is like, come on, everyone's doing it. Everyone's here. And you're like, oh, that little lamb looks so sweet. Let's follow it, right? That's this beast. Now, in the original day, there would be literal idol statues, but Scripture sees that idolatry is really anytime we put something or someone in the place of God in our heart. When we make something the source of our affection and joy and hope and future, when we obey it absolutely and fully. So you see the the, the push and pull of this, the carrot and the stick. The first beast is the stick, smack, smack. Smack, you know, get over there, smack. The second beast is, oh, but it's so nice over here. Don't you want to be over here? Everyone's over here. We're just all hanging out, having a good time worshiping the beast, right? This is how they work together. 
If the first beast is sort of the hard power of the state, the second beast is soft power of worship, influence, economic and social pressure. Its attack doesn't even always look like an attack. Now, you're probably wondering here, okay, well, tell us about the marking of the head and the hand. Remember, this is revelation, this is apocalyptic literature, this is symbolic. And if you know your Bible, you're you're saying, that sounds familiar, Didn't God in Deuteronomy 6 cause his people to be marked by the head and the hand that God's word should be that near to them at all times? Yes. What it's doing is it's flipping Deuteronomy 6 and saying, okay, instead of being marked by the Lord, these people and people who follow it are marked by the beast. Now, here, the beast cultural war results in the worshiping of the beast, the first beast, and worshiping of the dragon. And then that's coupled with the 666 reference, right? Verse 18, this calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. All right, what's up with that? I have always wondered what's up with the 666 beast. Now, here's the deal. If you read, mostly when you read the Bible, you read 10 commentators, there's like two options. Okay, it's either this or this. This 666 thing, I'm telling you, you read 10 commentators, you get 12 opinions. Because you're like, it could be this, it could be that, right? Some people have said, well, according to the, the, this particular numerology of the day, it could spell Nero Caesar. That's one option. Um, or it could spell beast. It's just reinforcing. What, what is this? Well, I'm going to give you what I think is the most straightforward answer and and the one that lines up with the markings, okay? In the Bible, the number seven references God and completion. Number six is the day man was created, right? So this, in a sense, is man to the third power, but never reaching seven, its completion in God. So the number six references sinful humanity, and it's six to the third power. This is humanity kind of to the the ultimate degree. It's everyone on earth who says man is ultimate, humanity is ultimate, I worship myself, no one can tell me how to live my life. That is the mark of the beast. And here's the terrifying truth. We're not waiting for the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is here already. The mark of the beast is symbolically on anyone who says, God's not going to tell me how to live my life. I tell me how to live my life. That is what? Anti-Christ. As John said, that's going to be everywhere. Now, you're probably wondering, okay, well, what does it sound and look like, this deception? Well, I want to tell you a story we hear over and over in our culture and see if you recognize any of it, okay? What does it sound like for it to look like a lamb but have the voice of a dragon that results in the exaltation of humanity and the beast instead of God? Well, maybe this. Once upon a time, there was a young girl. Her family and or her culture always made her do things and conform, but she was special. She was different. And one day she decided to trust herself, to be true to herself, to listen to the voice down deep inside her. No one could tell her what to do. She had to decide for herself. She broke free. She escaped. She made her own wrong and right. And and eventually, 
everyone saw just how special she was and she found a community that loved and accepted and celebrated her. And now she is beautiful. Now she is strong. Now she is happy. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. Let it go. Now, there are some true and beautiful things in there. God did make everyone with unique dignity and worth. And it's true that some cultural norms should be rejected. That they, they're, they're, they're just not lining up with God's word. But behind that, here, here's what I think you hear behind that. In Genesis 3, Adam and Eve are there. There's the fruit. What does the serpent, the dragon, say? He says, why don't you eat some of that? And Eve says, oh, no, no, we're not supposed to even touch it. And the dragon says, did God really say? Starts questioning the word of God. And then the dragon says, God doesn't want you to do that because he knows when you eat it, you will be like him. Do you hear the voice? Then you'll be, then you'll be strong. Then you'll be beautiful. Then you'll decide what's right and wrong for you. Then you'll be true to your truest self. This, I think, is, is an example of the appearance of a lamb, but the voice of a dragon. Be true to yourself. The old rules just hold you back. And here's what happens. We internalize that. We worship the self. We break free of parental rules and hook up with our boyfriend or girlfriend because it feels right. We decide that same-sex relationships are right because they feel right to us. We decide two genders are too limiting, so we choose or create another. We decide our husband or wife is holding us back, so we break free in divorce. And then here's the reality. This second beast, this religious beast, is happy to provide a flavor of religion to suit and support this rebellion. Maybe a a welcoming, non-judgmental, every truth is your truth Buddhism. Or maybe a church that calls itself a Christian church that exalts you and health and wealth and tells you that you're amazing and beautiful. You just listen to the voice down deep inside and do whatever it says. And so we leave churches that teach things that don't quote unquote feel right to us, that feel out of step with the rest of the culture. And here is what is so deadly. In the end, we think it's our idea where Revelation 13 says, no, you are being led by the dragon to your doom. Here's the reality. The dragon hates the image of God. He's not leading you along. Oh, come over here. You'll find fulfillment and peace and satisfaction over here. Come here, come here, come here. But inwardly, he's going, he's laughing. Inwardly, he's rejoicing as we walk like lemmings to our doom. We think being true to ourselves is true to ourselves. When in reality, we're just listening to the voice of the dragon say, did God really say? Did God really say? And here are a few ways that this can play out. I'm just going to very briefly tick through these. One, the idol of money. In America, we feel a constant pull of defining ourselves by our financial metrics. We worship money and what it can buy us, comfort, security, luxury, pleasure. Really, behind all the advertising, behind all the stuff around us, behind the social pressure is the word obey, buy, more, now. Shepard Ferry, the the artist behind the Obey campaign, did this famous thing where he said $801 bills around the country, with regular dollar bill, with the word with, with an image on it, and he called the camp with the obey image on it, and he called the campaign, This is your God. 
He could see it. There's also the idol of state. This is explicitly here. We as Americans are in view here as well. We begin to believe that our country, our party, our favorite political leader, this branch of government, uh, they will save us. They will give us security and peace and prosperity and hope. When they win, we're elated, and when they lose, we're crushed. Or the idol of sex. Since Freud's influence, we often see everything in life as relating to sexual desires and biological urges. The message everywhere is it's essential, it's normal, it's natural, it's beautiful. What do you hear behind that? Obey, 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 conform. Which is why later, as we'll see, the, the people of God explicitly push back on this. Or last, as we mentioned, the idol of identity. I think this is many times the idol underneath all idols. We worship ourselves. We look for our truth. We want to be true to ourselves. Really, what we hear is obey. And the challenge is there's often a grain of truth in each of these idols. Like resources that God provides are good. Having things that are nice can be good. The state can be used for good. Sexuality was a good gift. Our identity is precious and unique. But just as the two beasts look like God, so do these idols. They look just a little bit like him, but behind them is the voice of the dragon. So what is the call for the church here? Verse 18, this calls for wisdom. This call is for wisdom, not just about the number 666, but about all of life. It takes biblical wisdom to see through the deceptions around us. The book of Revelation is a call to wisdom and seeing through deception around us. How then do we see? How can we see? Okay, that looks like a a lamb, but its voice is kind of low, you know? How do we see the dragon? How do we hear the voice of the dragon? With this. With this, this is what helps us. Look, if any of the stuff I just mentioned is a struggle for you, or like, well, I don't think same-sex you know, relationships are wrong, or I don't think this gender stuff is wrong, I think it's fine. I just want to urge you, brother or sister, look through the lens of the Bible, and rather than going, what feels right, go, what does the Lord say is right? Christianity is following Jesus and beginning to conform our thinking more and more and our feelings even more and more to the truth of the word. So let me ask you the question, who are you listening to the most? What voices shape you? Everything is telling you to obey, everything. The songs you nod your head to, the Netflix show you're binging, the news sites you soak up, you take it in constantly. So let me ask you, brother, sister, how much do you take in God's word? How much do you hear his voice? How often are you in church under the word of God? How often are you sitting across from people with your Bible open? How often is your Bible open personally? This is a call for wisdom. Look, two raging beasts are roaring across the face of the earth. And many times Christians just get up and have a coffee and listen to a song and go to work like nothing's going on. We are at war. And we are in danger of either compromise or buckling under pressure. We must, 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 let me plead with you, must be in the word of God. Look, if if you are on news sites for your favorite political party or preference more than in the word of God, you will be shaped more by them. 
You cannot take in God's word a tiny drip at a time and expect it to transform your thinking as you listen constantly to the messages of obey, 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 obey. Hear the verse of the Lord. All right, last and brief. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, this is too long. The lamb. We got to end with the lamb. Verse, Revelation 14, verse 1, this is our hope. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had, listen, his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps, and they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the lamb wherever he goes. These have been redeemed from mankind is first fruits for the God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they are blameless. But church, look at, notice the geographic imagery here. Th- think of it this way. On this level, on the earth, they're, they're just flooded with evil. This beast is smacking people with a stick saying, obey or else. This other beast is you know, offering a carrot saying, come over here, obey. It's so much better. It's so much nicer. Everyone is doing it. And all of this is awash with evil. But above it all stands Mount Zion overlooking it all with the lamb there and his people secured. Look, we are not, the church is not in danger of like, oh no, what if the beasts win? No, the lamb is on an entirely different level. And standing with him are the 144,000. We've covered that this symbolically represents God's people for all time from every tribe and language and nation and people. And they are before the throne of God. They are in the inmost place of God's throne room. And while below the worship song is to the beast and the dragon, there is a different song coming from Mount Zion, church. This song, listen, this song is like a roar with thunder, with beauty indescribable. Oh, church, and man, we were singing that second song and the band dropped out and the church sang out. You could hear a glimpse of the roar coming from Mount Zion that will eventually drown out and destroy the song of the dragon. And the song is unique. It, it, they, the, the redeemed have a song that the angels in heaven don't have, the elders in heaven don't have. Why? Because it is unique to the song of the redeemed. And look, verses four and five, you're like, okay, wait, what's with the literal virgins and the people that never say a lie? I think that is symbolic, meaning th- these are people who have not given themselves over to the sexual immorality of the world despite the enticements of the beast. These aren't people who have never said a lie. These are people who try to conform their speech to the lambs and are now in status pure and blameless because of that word redeemed. Romans 3, 23 says this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are If you could say it this, number six, that's where we're stuck, but are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
What's the difference between the people down below and the people above on Mount Zion? It is not that these people got, were so good, they climbed the ladder of Mother Teresa goodness and finally summited Mount Zion. No, these are people who said, I have fallen short of the glory of God. Oh, Lamb, will you take my sins? Oh, Lamb, will you cover me? And it is the Lamb's joy to bring them to Mount Zion. Look, this, friend, if, if you're listening and you don't know Christ, here is the reality. Everyone is either marked by the dragon or the lamb. You might think, no, 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 I'm not on either team. I'm just on my team. Well, sure, that's what the dragon wants you to think. Dragon's like, good, got him. Oh, but church, the offer of the lamb stands. He says, I will buy you with my blood. My, my sacrifice in your place will bring you to a place of purity, the beasts may rage. It may see, they may seem inevitable, but it is a lamb who is inevitable. Here, here then is the application. They follow the lamb wherever he goes. What, what gives us power to endure the attacks of the first beast? What gives us the strength to resist the deception and temptations of the second beast? It is knowing that we have been redeemed and bought and secured, and flowing from that, there is in our hearts this, this phrase, I will follow the lamb wherever he goes. Like, I'm so grateful that we got to announce Vince and Christy moving to Prague. I respect them so much because as long as I've known them, this has been their attitude. Going to Prague the first time and coming back to the U.S. and coming to our church and, and returning back, their attitude has been, I will follow you wherever you go. Church, the, Revelation 14 says that should not be the, the, the aberration. It's like, wow, those people are crazy. They actually are moving across the world for Jesus. <laughs> wow. Now, Revelation is like, that's the default for Christians. Every Christian, every day, asking, Lord, where do you want me to go? I will follow you wherever you go. Lord, I, I pray that as we end here, Lord, this would be our heart. Lord, that, that seeing the danger, in a sense, that you have pulled us away from, that you have brought us from this swirling, kind of tumultuous, dragon-filled world to be secure on Mount Zion. Lord, I pray that we would be filled with gratefulness. Lord, that, that, that we would be amazed yet again that you have redeemed us that even though we all fall short of the glory of God, we can be justified and redeemed and saved by the Lamb. And I pray then that our heart would be, I will follow you wherever you lead. I pray that you would help us as a church, God, to be, be discerning. We would understand when we hear the beast and need to run. But we'd also have calloused hands of endurance to grip you tightly through any storm and trial. And we say, Jesus, lead on. Amen. Hope in God, oh my soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Hope in God, he's a rock in your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Pastor Ricky will continue teaching through this series in Revelation next time. We hope you'll join us then. If you're wanting to hear more messages from this series, go to betternewsradio.com and click on the radio tab. You'll also find access to the podcast there as well. 
What are some of the takeaways from Revelation that you've heard so far? How do you think it all applies to the here and now of today? Although Revelation was written centuries ago, it's still referring to things that are yet to come in the future. This should give you a hope for the God who comes to save. For those who don't have a relationship with God, the book of Revelation should put an urgency in your heart that this world and those who reject God are going to be judged. But there's so much life for you to have by believing and accepting Jesus as your Savior. Our hope is that these messages are drawing you closer to the one that saves. When you're at our website, we encourage you to check out Pastor Ricky's book under the book tab. It addresses some of the hard questions that you might be wrestling with as you live in a world that's kind of messed up. There's a reason and a purpose for everything that God does, and maybe this book will give you some valuable insights into the heart of God. Once again, go to betternewsradio.com to find that link to download. While our time with you for today is up, we do trust that you've been encouraged by the Word. Make sure you join us again for the next edition in Revelation with Pastor Ricky right here on Better News Radio.